bet you have had one of those moments. It's probably a moment you remember. It was a moment where either out of exhaustion or frustration or confusion, you pondered, what, what do I do? How do I keep moving forward? What's the next step? And whether it had to be about a job or whether it had to be about a test that was coming as you stood outside the door in college and said, am I really ready for this? As you get ready to turn the handle and walk your way in, or maybe it was just simply a relationship as you walked a person and watched them walk away. Maybe it was simply something you're standing in the Safeway store and it's on the top shelf and you're short and you don't know if the shelf will hold your weight and you don't want to be the guy that finds out and that it doesn't. And so you do that what you can only do in, in those moments and you just say, help! Whether you find a Safeway worker or someone else, or you just look up into the heavens and you just say, help. You know, if you've been around nieces and nephews or your little kids, uh, here's what you know. Kids are, are very curious and they will try to figure out things on their own, but they're, they're really quick to ask for help. I think we outgrow that sometimes. And that's what I want to kind of get to tonight as we talk about, we started this series on life and how do you have a better kind of life? We looked at this passage in Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus looked around at some really tired and weary people and he said, you come to me if you're weary and worn out on this whole religious uh, treadmill pursuit, because you, you come to me, I've got something different. And we figured out last week that in order to take up the yoke of Jesus, you've got to take off the yoke of religion. You've got to put that down, and you've got to take up his yoke. Because he said his yoke is easy and light. And we talked about what a yoke was, and it's this idea that you kind of saddle up in life next to Jesus, and you wouldn't live his way. And we wanted to look in this series at some rhythms and some patterns and some activities that we see Jesus do, and when he does them, he like lives the life of Jesus. And I think all of us would look at that and go, man, that's a pretty good life, and I think I would like to live a little bit more of that. And so we said we want to look at some of these patterns and these activities, these rhythms, and say, how do I, in my own life, in my own neck of the woods, in my own season of life, how do I begin to live this way a little bit more? How do I begin to train for this? We said maybe it has less to do with our performance for Jesus and actually more to do with our proximity around him and with him. That maybe this idea of spiritual transformation is not about trying harder, but it's about training better. That if I was going to be a person to be yoked up with Christ and live life with him and his power and his energy and his strength, that I begin to see life the way he sees, that maybe practicing the life of my Savior with my Savior will actually help me live more like him. And so we began to look at kind of this acknowledgement that, that God wants us to aim our life at being close, that this whole followership of Jesus thing is really Jesus said it to his first followers. He says it to his followers even today. He says, well, just come follow me. Remember the key passage we said in Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine 29 was this, you, you come to me and you learn from me. You learn from me. That we study his life, not just words he said. Those are good things to study and we need to but actually study the way he lived 
And as you study that, as you look to that, and maybe as you begin to adopt patterns of that and rhythms in your own life, it'll begin to change you. And tonight, I want to look at this idea of help. And here's what I mean by help. Prayer. I think for a lot of people, that's kind of prayer in a nutshell for them. They've made prayer this idea of when I run into a roadblock or I get stuck in life, I I just kind of get to the place that either I try to go around it or I go under it or I go through it myself. And eventually, if I get tired and frustrated enough, I'll just say, help. God, help me. You know, and I think that's a prayer God answers. I really do. Uh, He's done that several times for me. I know he's done that for several of my friends. And uh, wherever you may be in your spiritual journey, maybe you're kind of just coming back into church. And I think it's awesome that you're here. And and I hope that you would feel that this is a church where you can kind of put down some roots and investigate this whole idea of living life around how Jesus lived and who he is. And maybe that you can begin to take some steps to investigate that yourself, that you don't have to be part of the convinced to belong. But I hope for maybe some of you who have been walking with Jesus for a while, and this whole idea of of a relationship with him is taking on flavor. And maybe you've heard about prayer, talked about prayer, gone to prayer studies, read books on prayer. And, And there's a lot out there on prayer. And you can go really deep with it. But here's the point of prayer, that you do it. Like, it's not prayer that I know a lot about it. It's prayer that it actually becomes a pattern in my life. And that maybe it's an expanded pattern beyond just help. Maybe it goes beyond just those moments where you and I get stuck in life and we say, hey, we need some help. We need, God, I need your intervention. I need your activity. See, prayer is something that's globally universal. In fact, they've done studies trying to find people groups, even in the deepest, remotest areas, who, who don't have expression of some kind of prayer. It may look different or, or, or be different than what you know or what you put your mind around, but they have yet to find a, a social group uh, anywhere around the world that doesn't have some kind of expression of prayer, of someone of the human, of the real realm trying to reach out to the divine that prayer seems to be this natural habit of humanity. Why? Why? Even in remote places that are far removed from industry or just far removed from any kind of learned behavior that we might say, hey, this is modern world living and all that kind of stuff. Why is there still this need? And could it be that our creator actually wired us to communicate and to connect? I mean, at the end of the day, isn't that what prayer is about? It's more than just help, but it's really about this idea of connecting with him, of communicating with our creator, of realizing uh, that I can tap into. Now, does that mean everyone prays? Well, no. Most Americans will probably pray. It might be a help prayer that they say right before their final and their senior year. It might be a help prayer as they're trying to figure out what car to buy or their kid has a sickness or they're battling an illness. It might be something with that. And um, so this idea of, of all these things that, that, that you can pray about and you can wrestle with, how do you begin to make this more and more a pattern in life? And I want us to kind of lean into the life of Jesus and looking at some things here because I think prayer is this human natural instinct that we all come wired with. That it's about talking to God. It's about communicating and connecting with our Creator. Whatever that may look like to you at this point and where you are in your spiritual journey. Now, for some of you walking with Jesus a long time, that may be really rich and really meaningful. For others of you, it may simply be help. 
And that's kind of what you know, and that's the, the, the realm of all of you know about it. But prayer is something that was so captivating to the early disciples about Jesus that they watched his life, and they watched his living. And here's what they noticed about the pattern of how he lived his life. This guy prays. In fact, you read throughout the scriptures and you'll find instances where Jesus, he gets up early and he escapes from the crowds and, and Peter later finds him and he's like, Why, what are you doing out here? I, I couldn't get a hold of you. Like there's no cell phones, there's no carrier pigeons, there's, no, there's just nothing, we couldn't find you. It's like Peter didn't realize that Jesus actually wanted to be away. That prayer was something for him. And so here's what the disciples, early disciples, noticed spending three years around Jesus is that this guy prays. And he prays in crisis moments and he prays in ordinary moments. And it's a pattern of how he lives and navigates life. That there was something about prayer for Jesus that was replenishing, that was refueling to him as he connected with his heavenly father. So much so that the disciples who had grown up around prayer, I mean, if you were a Jewish boy, you knew prayer, okay? It's not like you didn't know prayer. It's not like you had never been around prayer. But something caught their attention so much that they walked up to Jesus one day and they said, teach us to pray. Were they novices? No. There was something about the way Jesus prayed that captured their attention. And they said, we've got to have more of that. And so Jesus teaches them this prayer. And we kind of know it as the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've been at your automotive station and they've got it framed up on the the wall. I don't know if that means that they want you to get bigger tips because they, I don't know. Um, But maybe you've seen it somewhere that, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's fascinating about that prayer, and I want to look at this in a few weeks, kind of come back to it, do kind of a week two type thing on this pattern of prayer in life. Tonight I want to look at why this was a pattern for Jesus and what it might look like for you and I to make pattern of prayer a part of our life and how it might make life better. Father in heaven. What's beautiful about the word father is that in the ancient writings, in the, in the New Testament writings, that word father really was Abba. It was the Greek word Abba. It's this idea, the Aramaic word, um, that meant daddy. It was this really rich, relational, intimate kind of term. It wasn't this distant deity, creator of the heavens and the earth. It was, daddy, hallowed be your name. You are all these things. You are the creator of everything. You put everything together, but you are close. And there was a proximity and intimacy about his prayer life that uh, I think captivated those early followers. It's, It's what got their attention and said, hey, we want to know more about this. And here's what I know about prayer for maybe you, maybe for me at times. I think a lot of times I feel like a prayer wimp. Anyone else ever felt like a prayer wimp? I might be the only one. But I know at times I feel like I talk to people and, and they go, hey, how's your prayer life or something like that? And you're like, well, it could be better. Like, how do you grade your prayer life? I mean, what scale do you use? I mean, it's just like, well, I'm not Jesus. I don't, you know, so, but I'm maybe more than my neighbor. 
I don't know. So how do you rank it? How do you even rank your prayer life? How do you even figure out what prayer life is supposed to be? But I think most of us walk around feeling like, well, it's, it could be better. Probably should be better. You know what? It's got to be better. I mean, just I'm not that good at it. And I don't know if you've ever felt defeated about prayer along those lines. And maybe we begin to put this weird twist on prayer that it's supposed to be a certain goal and that we're always short of that goal. And as we're short of that goal, then we just kind of live under this pressure of like, well, I guess I'm not good enough at it. And maybe that's for preacher dudes, or maybe that's for like missionary people that go to Africa. Man, they gotta pray, don't they? I mean, just it was just something. Maybe it's those people that do those things. But me, I'm just ordinary. Me, and I just I drive an ordinary Corolla, and I just have an ordinary job, and I, I like ordinary ice cream, and just you know that's me. And so I just maybe I fail at prayer thing. And I don't know if anyone else has ever felt that way, but I bet you have at times. And the interesting thing about the scriptures is there's no scale. Uh, we've made up the scale. We, we're the ones that have kind of said, well, then I, I guess it's got to be this 15 minutes a day, or maybe it's 30 minutes a day. Well, hey, you know, what if it's 60 minutes a day? And, you know, Spurgeon only prayed like two hours a day. I'm not that. And so, like, so we have this scale that we kind of put out there, but we've made that up. What if prayer doesn't have a scale? What if prayer really is not about a goal, but about a rhythm and about a connection, about an awareness of who God is and his activity in your life and in my life? What if it's bigger than just what we can get our arms around? So um, Jesus kind of talks about prayer one time. Disciples are asking him. So in Luke chapter 11, you can read the, the first part of this. I want to kind of tail in at the end of it. Uh, bring out a couple patterns that I'd love for you to begin to experiment in your own life. And maybe you've been walking with God for a while, and, and maybe one of these has been kind of put on the shelf a little bit. But I want you to become more active in it, because I think as we work on becoming more active in our prayer, and that it becomes a pattern in our life, we'll actually experience a better life. In fact, Jesus begins telling people, hey, uh, I want you to know, you, you ask, you knock. And he goes through these verses here. He says, I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Uh, knock, and uh, the door will be opened to you. Seek, and you will find. Everyone who receives um, will find. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you is a father, if his son asks for a fish, is going to give him a snake? Well, which of you, uh, if he asks for an egg, is going to give him a scorpion? Well, like, no good dad. Like, that's an instant good dad test, okay? Like, if your kid comes home and says, hey, can I have eggs for breakfast? And you throw him a scorpion, bad dad, okay? So, ladies, if you're dating someone, you could just like, hey, um, what would you feed your kid if they asked for an egg? And if he said scorpion, you'd be like, well, we're done. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, don't call me. I won't call you. So th- that's an instant test. So it's mockery. It's, it's sarcasm. So Jesus has sarcasm here. He's saying, look, if you, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, he goes on, how much more does this good heavenly father, is he going to give you the Holy Spirit when he asks? Is he going to be involved and active in your life? It's like Jesus understood that prayer was personal. It wasn't this pattern, it wasn't this philosophy, it wasn't this system, and I think we make it a system sometimes. In fact, even in the Christian circles, we have things like the acts, you know, it's adoration. First, I got to adore God, and then I got to confess, and then I got to do thanksgiving, and then I got to do supplication to bring my request. And those aren't a bad thing, but that can become 
that can suck some of the intimacy out of prayer. And the point of prayer is to connect with your creator and to connect with him through Jesus and to be able to have an intimate walk with him, an intimate connection one to another. And I think sometimes we can build systems, create systems. Now, if you're an engineer and like your mind thinks that way, then do that. I'm not. And so that drives me crazy. I can do it for a day. But to do it every single day just becomes this rote thing, and I, and I lose interest. Anyone ever been there? And so prayer can become mechanical if you want it to be or if you let it drift to that place. And it can become very stagnant. Does that mean your prayer life, if you just are a free bird and <laughs> do whatever you want, does that mean that it shouldn't have any kind of discipline in it? Well, probably not, because just living an undisciplined life doesn't lead to good results sometimes. You probably uh, can bear testimony to that in your own life. But Jesus is saying, we have a God who actually wants us to ask, to knock, to seek. That he's not disinterested, he's not dialed in somewhere else, and you're a distraction to him. He's actually dialed into your life more than you even realize. And he actually wants to communicate and connect with you, maybe even more than you do. And so we're invited to make prayer this pattern of our life. And I think as we do that, as we see in the life of Jesus, that he did this over and over. In fact, it doesn't say that Jesus did this for 30 minutes every single day. Do you know that? You can read through the Bible, and it's not going to say that. It says often. That's the word. Often, Jesus withdrew to be alone with the Father and pray. What does often look like? I don't know. What does often look like for you? What does often look like for the person next to you? Maybe the point is not duration and frequency. Maybe the point is connection and intimacy. Paul talks about prayer, and he says, pray continuously. Well, what does that look like? I mean, do I go to my workplace and I just constantly pray, and someone comes up and asks me a question, hey, did you get that report? Dear Jesus, I just thank you that I have a job. And that Tony here is awesome guy. I just pray your blessing over his life and that he would get the report that I did email him. Okay, so, uh, is, I mean, is that what we're supposed to do? I mean, is pray continually? Uh, maybe prayer isn't necessarily this audible thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's both. Maybe prayer isn't this systematic thing. I think some people have a mindset around prayer where I've got I've to stop everything else I'm doing and I've got to go into my prayer closet. Jesus talked about a prayer closet. I've got to have a prayer closet. My closet's full. I can't even get into my closet. So, like, i got to empty out my closet. And Do I put a stool, a rug? I don't know what I do. It's just, and I've got to go in there, and I've got to pray there, and I've got to, you know, lock out the world for 20 minutes. And, and well, I, I, maybe he's just trying to free you up from distraction. You know, Jesus prayed a lot in nature. You read through the gospel accounts, and Jesus was often was, well, part of it was kind of homeless. I mean, he didn't have a home that he went back to all the time. But he had, a, had this connection that he just said, you know, wherever he was, he prayed. And we're not described in the gospel accounts that he prayed 30 minutes every single day in the morning. But we're just described that he had this pattern, this rhythm of prayer in his life. And there was so much a part of him that his disciples, who people knew about prayer, said, we want to pray more like that. 
And so they just begin to study and to look at his life and begin to see some patterns, to see this rich, interactive life between Jesus and the Father. And they wanted to learn from that. Here's the point. Prayer is a learned behavior. Nobody is born an expert in it. We can all learn to take next steps in the habit of prayer in our lives. It's a learned behavior. It's something that you can engage in. So I want to walk through um, three things that are real simple that I want us to kind of get our minds around as we begin to develop and maybe try to learn this behavior of prayer. Now, for some of you, this may be very much an active part of your spiritual journey and your spiritual life. For others of you who maybe uh, are, are like those who feel like, well, I, I don't know if I'm ever good enough at it. I don't I think I do it enough. I don't. Well, maybe this is going to give you some handles on this. And I want to start with this first one. And I think prayer, um, when we see the pattern throughout Jesus' life, here's one of the patterns we see. It was simple prayer. It wasn't complicated prayer. It wasn't this pattern. We do see moments where it says he often withdrew to be alone with the Father in prayer, and maybe those were more uh, intimate and more complicated. But I think at the end of the day, I think when you look at the life of Jesus, he just lived with this rhythm of connecting with the Heavenly Father, connecting with with the Father and saying, I just, I live life connected with you. Everywhere I go, you're there. That's why the psalmist says, to the highest of highs, to the lowest of lowest, as far as the east is from the west, wherever I go, you're there. And so it's just this awakening awareness that God's with you in every situation, every circumstance, even the ones where you're like embarrassed for him to be there. He's there. And he's not appalled by you, maybe by some of our actions and our choices, but he's not appalled by you because he actually wants to connect with you. That's what he's saying. You ask, you seek, you knock. I'm a good father. I'm going to give you good things. Does that mean he's going to give you a house on the hill? I I hope he does invite me over. Um, But I don't know if he's going to do that. But here's what I do know. He's going to give you good things. That's for your good. And some things he's going to withhold because it's actually for your good. He's a good father. He wants to connect with his kids. And we're invited through Jesus to be his children, to live life with God. And one of the rhythms that helps us live the best possible life is to make prayer a pattern of our life. And it's simple prayer. What would it look like for you to carve out five or ten minutes a day where you actually kind of stilled yourself? You got quiet, whatever that may be for you. I drive a lot. I pray a lot in my car. I know people next to me probably think I'm weird because I talk out loud. It's not like Jesus is my co-pilot. I don't have that bumper sticker. Uh, it's just, um, he, I'd rather him drive. He probably drives better. But I just pray to an empty seat that I'm just trusting, God, you're always around me. So you're here. And the whole way here, I pray. The whole way to the office, I pray. The whole way home, I pray. Sometimes I listen to sports talk radio, but that's beside the point. Um, so I pray. I use my car a lot to do that. And so I can't tell you how many hours I've spent uh, in my Jeep driving around praying. Because for me, that's a space I have. I don't have people calling me. I don't answer my phone. I try not to text, you know, all that kind of stuff. Don't text or drive. Um, so this idea, I, that's space for me. And so I do that a lot. I have this chair that sits down in front, but I have a one little desk in the bottom of my house. And the bottom floor is you come in, and it looks out the window. And I spend a lot of time there. 
just praying, looking out the window, looking at birds, and maybe that makes me weird. I don't know. It just I do that. I try to hike more. I'm spending some time out hiking and just plopping down on a rock and just spending some time praying. And I'm doing simple prayer. Here's what simple prayer is. It's praying what's occupying your heart and mind. It's not having flowery words. It's not trying to be dramatic about it. It's just saying, I want to be active in prayer. I want to make this a pattern of my life. I want to continually experience this. And I want to use prayer as kind of my lifeline all the time. Anyone ever remember the old show? Uh, let's see. Do you want to be a millionaire? Is that what it's called? Who wants to be a millionaire? Right? And they would have the lifeline that you could use, like if you got to the question and you're like, you're phoning a neighbor or phone a friend, and they'd be like, well, it's called Bob because I knew him and he might know this and all that stuff. And they would use that lifeline, right? Well, you only had three lifelines, and then it was over, right? Well, prayer's not like that. It's not limited in its lifeline. And when you look at the life of Jesus, what you see is that he had this lifeline of prayer all the time. And that's the invitation that we have for us is to make prayer a pattern of us. That maybe what would it look like for you to set aside distractions five to ten minutes a day because you can do that. Now, for some of you, you're like go-getters. You're like, I'm going to do 20. No, listen, do more push-ups or something, okay? Just five or ten minutes a day. Just start there. Because here's what happens sometimes. We get on this religious treadmill where we're like, I man, I haven't prayed in like three weeks. And so I'm going to pray for like three hours today. No, you're not, okay? You're not. You're just not. Don't be, you know, dishonest to yourself. Prayer is meant to be this honest thing, and it's meant to be... So just start small, and then make it a pattern in your life, just to set it aside and do it. Now, for some of you, that may be really simple for you, and you're like, well, I do that already. Good for you. Add five minutes. Do it another time. Maybe look at this next principle that we're going to The simple prayer is just saying, I'm going to bring things before God that's already on my heart then I'm not going to necessarily make a list of new stuff. I'm going to actually make this something that's about. Richard Foster writes, this is what simple prayer is about. He says, it's, it's you know, when you're sitting there thinking about how am I going to handle my finances? Will this meeting with this person go off all right? Will my children ever get this character trait I'm trying to build into them? And, and what's for dinner? You know, just, am I going to do well in finals? It's all those questions that occupy your mind and occupy your heart. You bring that to God. See us... Lewis uh, writes this phrase here, in prayer we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. And I think sometimes we try to make prayer about things that aren't in us right now. And we're like, well, I, I feel like my prayer should be more noble, so I should pray for like world peace and the missionary I know in Africa. And, and, and those are good things, and you should. But you know what? If you don't have a pattern right now, just start with the stuff that's occupying your heart, occupying your mind, and, and bring this idea that, hey, I want to, to have this, this intimate connection with my Creator and to make this more a language and more a pattern of my life. Now, how many of you, when you struggle and you sit down with, with prayer and you're trying to pray, how many of you have spiritual ADD? It doesn't get better, okay? Um, I wish it did. Um, there's times like when you sit down to pray and you're like, okay, I've got three things I'm going to pray for. I'm, I'm focused right now. I'm going to pray. I just finished my coffee. Okay, pray. <sighs> lunch. Man, why am I thinking about lunch right now? It's just, did I mail that bill? I don't know if I mailed that bill. Just Maybe I paid it online. I don't, I'll just check God real quick. And so you go over there, and, and that's a real thing, okay? But what if you were to take that spiritual ADD that you're having in those moments 
and recognize that maybe that's what's on your heart and mind, and maybe God's interested in you communicating with him about that. And not force yourself to feel bad because your mind's going there, but to actually say, God, wow, my mind is really distracted over to this thing. And, you know, uh, did I pay that bill? And you know what? I just want to thank you for the way you provide for me and my finances. And I want to just, I want to recognize that, yeah, maybe I've got some concerns there. So would you help me? Would you speak into my life? Would you show me ways that I can get better at managing the resources that you give me? Would you help provide for me? You are such a good provider, God. And you begin to take some of those ADD tangents and turn them back into prayer instead of beating yourself up because you're not praying with focus enough. Does that make sense? Because when prayer is a goal and we often feel like we're missing it, then we are beating ourselves up and missing the whole point of prayer. The whole point of prayer is for me to connect with my creator and for him to connect with me. He's already around. He's already here. His presence is here all the time. It's about me becoming aware more and more and being able to lay some things at his feet. It's saying like what Paul writes in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition with thanksgiving, to let thanksgiving be maybe a pattern of this. You present your request to God. And God's peace will guard your heart. So it's not this idea that I have to pray certain things. But maybe we need to simplify prayer. Make this simple prayer of saying, hey, what's on my heart, what's on my mind, I want to bring before God. Now, a second thing is this. Um, I think the Bible has lots to say about interceding prayer. Interceding prayer is when I'm going to intercede on behalf of someone else. I'm actually bringing them and their needs. So it's not just all about me and all about my little world, but it's about, God, you're big enough to help speak into and be active in other people's worlds and in their lives and to be active in their presence. And so I want to be a person that brings friends or brings people that are dear to me before you. Uh, Ephesians 6 says this, and be alert always. Keep on praying for the Lord's people. Keep on praying for the saints around. Paul's writing to this church. You pray for the people around you. You intercede for people, and you bring them before God. I, I try to practice this a lot more. How many of you have ever said the, the phrase, someone's talking to you, and they're bringing you a request? You're like, man, I'm going to pray for you, buddy. Anyone ever said that? I'll pray for you, right? Um, I'm actually trying and I don't do this perfectly, but I'm actually trying to stop myself from saying that phrase and then actually just do it. Instead of just, you know, moving on and say, hey, I'll pray for you. Now, in some circumstances, you're in the run and you're moving and that stuff, but here's the discipline part. It's me at the wedding last night and realizing here's this couple that's trying to adopt this baby from Uganda, and I could say to them, hey, I'm praying for you, and that would be totally socially acceptable. But I did the weird thing. When I just said, hey, can I pray for you right now? And I took two minutes out of my life, and I just pray for them on behalf, and I, and I bring them to my daddy. And I say, daddy, you're a big God. And here's this kid in Uganda that has a family that would love to adopt them. And they're, they're stuck with stupid paperwork and money. Money's nothing to you. So would you help free this up so this little kid can come home and have a home where she's loved and treasured and cared for? And to pray for her right then. Do you know what that does for that person when you intercede on their behalf? How many of you have been prayed for before? Someone stopped and prayed for you. Doesn't it just lift you and it just puts some wind in your sails? What if you became a person 
who actually did that for people. Now, you don't have to be weird about it. You don't have to make it long prayers. Uh, please don't rip out your Bible and light a candle and just you know draw attention to yourself. Don't be weird about it. Just be normal and say, God, I'm bringing my friend to you. Or what if you text a person and say, hey, just I'm praying for you right now. And here's what I'm praying. And you send them a one-sentence thing. Or just a, a sentence that says, hey, I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you right now. So that you know that you've got people that are in your corner lifting you up to your big dad that has you on their heart. And he says to ask, seek, and knock. And so I'm doing that on your behalf. And I just wanted you to know. How cool is that? to get those kind of texts and to be inspired by that in a way to say, hey, I want to be a person that prays that uh, more and more. Uh, Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they'll, they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your father already knows what you need before you even ask. God's dialed into your life. So you don't have to use long words. You don't have to babble about it. You just bring this person before God. And maybe this third thing is that prayer is relational. The whole point of prayer is for us to connect more and more with our creator, for us to to grow in intimacy with him, and for our awareness of him to be awakened more, for our understanding of his activity and his involvement, his attention to detail in our lives, to be aware of that even more. And so prayer was always relational for Jesus. I think that's what caught the disciples' attention, is because prayer for them had become a religious duty, a religious activity. It it lacked in relationship. And so when Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, Daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are set apart. You are different. You are bigger. You are greater. You are better. And then he kind of laid out this pattern in the Lord's Prayer for us to maybe follow as part of that. Not to say that that becomes a ritual or rote for you, but that you would just pray. Here's what I wrote down for the bottom line for me. Prayer is me as one who is limited to learn and to listen and to lean in and to rest on the one who is unlimited. That's what prayer is. It's for me as a limited person, as a limited human in my own humanity boundaries to lean in and to listen and to rest as I bring my request to the one who is unlimited and who has no boundaries. And nothing surprises him. Nothing catches him off guard. He's aware, he's alert, he's active. And I can pray to him with him. And he's in my corner. As a follower of Jesus, I think this prayer pattern helps people live with more peace, with more hope, with more joy in life to realize that they're not having to navigate this all alone on their own. That's why at First Peter, he's writing to this church and he says, you cast your cares on God because he actually cares about you. That prayer is this invitation for me as a limited one to lean in and to listen and to learn and rest into the unlimited one and to connect and relate. And so here's what we're going to do. Uh, in the next couple minutes here, we're going to have a couple songs to end. We do communion uh, usually after the message, and we're going to give you space to do that. But I want to pray for you. 
just wherever you are in your spiritual journey, wherever you are with your walk with God, if you're just investigating who he is, investigating who Jesus is, you've heard about him a little bit, uh, and maybe uh, you've been walking with him for a long time. Here's what I know. Prayer is a learned behavior. And every single one of us can figure out a next step in getting better and making this more and more a pattern of how we live. So two things. I want to give you space uh, tonight. So during communion, if you want to take communion, there's two stations in the middle, two down front. You are welcome to do that. We'd love to have you do that. As we remember the death and, and the uh, <clears throat> the resurrection of Christ, we remember his body given for us, his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And you are welcome to maybe lean into that and say, God, I can't believe that you're available to me. And then let that stir a prayer for you. One is maybe a simple prayer. Maybe you've got some stuff that's really occupying your heart and mind tonight. And the space, we're going to have a song, and it's just acoustic, and it's just for you to listen to, sing if you want, but really just to create space for you to have a moment of prayer with God. And you take a moment, maybe you're going to lift some of those requests to him and just say, God, I'm glad that you're big enough to handle these with me, that, that I get to actually walk through this with you. And so you lift that up to him. Maybe you're sitting here and your stuff's going pretty well for you. But there's someone in your life that God's really put on your heart. And I want to invite you to spend some time praying for them. To intercede on their behalf. And to to bring that need, that request, that desire, that dream that they have before our almighty daddy. And say, daddy, this is a a prayer for so-and-so. Because I know they really could use it. And I'm going to spend some time praying for them. And I invite you to do that. And then second thing is, as you leave tonight, we've created these little prayer cards. And here's the invitation for you. Uh, it's just to grab one on your way out. It's got two things that we would love for us as an Elements family to be praying about the next month. So between now and the end of May, we would love for our people who call Elements home to be praying for this for our culture and our mission as a church, to pray these two things. And then there's space on the other side for you to write in what you would like, to say, hey, here's some things I'd like to pray for the next month. Just jot in a couple notes and then hang it up somewhere where you'll see it. Uh, Maybe hang it up uh, where you eat breakfast or hang it up on the, the bathroom mirror, just wherever you may see it as it just jogs your mind to begin thinking about, okay, how can I practice this five minutes a day, this 10 minutes a day, where I just have some prayer time and connect and lift these requests up, intercede on behalf of elements, on behalf of yourself or others, okay? So, Father, I thank you for the invitation you give us in prayer. Um, The pattern we see in Jesus' life is that prayer mattered, that it wasn't just something that was tacked on at the end. It wasn't just something that uh, became rote in how they did it, and how he lived, but it was a lifeline for him. That he just loved connecting with you. And so, Father, I, I pray for us as a church. God, there's so many needs in our city. There's so many needs within the individuals that we know that we're connected to, that we care about, that we love to see them take next steps to have a better life, to connect with you ultimately. And so, Father, would you help us individually? to lift up the people around us, to be people who practice simple prayer. doesn't have to be elegant. doesn't have to be laid out of bullet points. It's just simply, here's what's on our heart. God, we want to be a church that helps people take next steps in their spiritual journey with you. God, I pray that for all my friends gathered here, that they would be able to take their next steps with you. God, I pray that you would release your churches across the city 
to make an impact in the lives of school children, single moms, hurting families, individuals that are wandering, looking for meaning and significance in life. That you'd help us as your church here to represent you well, to shine your light, your hope in a way that people can come home to you. Father, in these next few minutes, would you stir our hearts with the things we pray about? Whether it's stuff we've got to bring before you, you tell us we can bring your, your request, our request to you. Or maybe it's someone that's dear to us that we want to lift up. Would you guide us in that?